Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for Hello! Welcome to Season 30, Episode 10 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Stork. I'm Kadeve. And on today's episode, Wizard asks about how deep we delve when creating homebrew worlds. Rob talks about space truckers and asks about money in Free League's Alien RPG. And Karaku talks about another Year Zero engine game. Uh... Cor- How do you say that? Corellis? Coriolis. Coriolis the like third the, the thing horizon. that makes your toilet make a whirlpool. Oh, yeah. Coriolis the third horizon. You can tell this is like a tailored for Dave episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Kimmy's got a radio voice now. I do. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> when you're a mezzo or an alto, it's nice to have that radio voice. you got to cultivate it. There Techn- it is. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, I'm a soprano cosplaying as an alto, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Announcements. Um, this week's call to action, we would love if you would leave us a review or comment wherever you happen to listen to the podcast. Um, we talked about this a little bit last week. We have so many great reviews that have been built up over the years, and they're all a little old. <laughs> so if people are running into the podcast now, we want them to know, hey, you know, people still like us. We're Most still of, relevant. We're still relevant. <laughs> we're still here. This well, is I still think, going. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. Most of the... Most of the um, reviews stopped in like 2018, 2019. So I think during pandemic, people just kind of stopped. Yeah, the world kind of stopped right yeah. then. Yeah. So if you haven't, or if you have left an old review, if you'd like to update it or leave some new ones somewhere you haven't left reviews before, make a login and just review and never log back in again, whatever you'd like to do, uh, we would really appreciate it if you'd leave reviews for the show. Because while it doesn't make people find the show, if people happen to find the show, it makes them more likely to listen to it. So it really is a big help. And yeah. Any other stuff? Even just like comments on YouTube. 100%. Like put a comment on there about something that we talk about tonight. Or a thumbs up. That algorithm, a hugely large chance to to be like, hey. Everybody forgets there's that little thumbs up, too. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, yep. All right. Um, I guess first email. That's quick. Look at us. Very efficient this evening. Am I supposed to blather more? You put the fish in efficient? (laughs) We don't have to blather more. (laughs) We've got this down. No, 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 please don't. (laughs) I mean, I feel like a lot of that's coming, so. (laughs) You want me to start? Uh, Yes, go ahead. Hey there, Happy Jacks and the RPG Attacks. Kimmy and the crew. I kind of like that. Yeah. Um, Long time listener, first time mailer. Have a sip. I've been here lurking in the forums, listening along. I love the alliteration this guy's got. Uh, Listening along from the early days. 
something like season three or season four, I've always been listening along with y'all. I won't bore you all. I won't bore all of you with all too many details, but I have a question of our RPG world preferences for the crew. When looking at a world to play in or run a game in, do you prefer your worlds to be loosey-goosey with uh, only the basic ideas ironed out at first and few concrete locations, rules, people, and things? Or do you prefer your worlds to be detailed, flushed, flushed out? I think it means flushed out. They're kind of like flushed out and more rigid. For example, Blades in the Dark, one city that's decently defined and some people in places, but most of the where and who is pretty nebulous. And Dungeons and Dragons, where you can look at the stats of a specific bartender in a specific bar in a specific city at a certain time, and there is a canon answer to all of it. Of all the points and all the places and all the I know your stats. (laughs) (laughs) You guys want to dig deeper? What do you guys do for world building uh, your homebrew worlds? How deep do you delve into your own as a GM? How much do you freestyle or co-op with your players? I ask out of curiosity as I'm working on a large... F-I-T-D hack? What's that? Uh, Forged in the Dark. Oh, okay. So it's the Blades in the Dark, but that's the new, kind of like Powered by the Apocalypse started as Apocalypse World. Oh. And now it became like a framework lots of people use to design. It's their own game engine then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, In a setting as original as the mound of tropes it is lashed together from, (laughs) we'll let it be. I hope to hear from what you all have to say about your opinions and how hard you like your world building to be. Wizard he him on Discord and one of the new mods in the chat. Yes, thanks for always being a great RPG-themed background to my teenage and early adult life. That's right. All the beer-drinking, gas-expelling, backlog-consuming chatter has been in my ears all through my formative years. (laughs) PPS, keep on keeping on. On pee 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 pee. Kitty 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 kitty. I love world building. I love it. Like it's a problem. It's a serious problem. <laughs> I will. I will spend more time world building, and then when I'm done with that, I don't want to run the game. I'm like, I really love it. Yeah. I love, and I'll get, I'll get into the minutia. I'll like well, I figure out how to hobble horses. Like so, when you go off and camp and what, it's a problem. It's a problem for me. Yeah. <laughs> Our, our, like, co-GMing relationship <laughs> turned into Stork would write an epic amount of stuff or gather together just mm-hmm. three-ring binders of mm-hmm. information. God, I love it so. And then I'd come over to his house, and he'd be like, look at all this cool stuff I've got. Look, it's like, amazing. Whoa. And I'd be like, whoa, we have four hours. He's my editor. Dave's yeah, my editor. So it's, it's really just, it's like a collaboration of, of a massive amount of cool research and cool stuff. And then, like, okay. What can we take from this that is the most amazing parts? I love it. And fit into a game. Mm-hmm. And and but I totally understand too if you over prep your world then then you're basically just you, you end up railroading your characters into all this cool stuff that you've created and you don't even know you're doing it. And I think more and more I really appreciate, you know, uh, maybe fleshing out your starting area or fleshing out one or two and then having your characters and your players help flesh out the rest especially with their backstories. Like and as Stu has always said, you know, you, you can uh, let the players do the heavy lifting for you. It's like, oh, really? So your house, you come from a rich family and they run um, warehouses by the work. Why don't you tell me the name of that? And what's the name of the city they're in? And how are big are these warehouses? And what do they do? And all of a sudden now he's fleshed out your whole docks mm-hmm. just because of his family. And it's it brings it gives the players investment in your world and it takes the burden off of you. Yeah. But you have to learn to share. And you have to learn to let it go. And you have to sort of just decide that 
what the players come up with, we're going to do this together. And it can be hard because I want to want to build the world myself because I have such great ideas. Yeah. I think it also, like having your players help build the world with you, it makes those first few sessions much less awkward because mm-hmm. there's not the, okay, is there a store in town? What, it's like, what can I do here? Yeah. I go talk to the blacksmith. Is there a blacksmith? Because no, they... sir. This is a Wendy's. Yeah, <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> Wendy's. Um, you know they they helped come up with all of that. So there's much less talking by the GM because you don't have to sit and explain everything, and they don't have to ask the questions while they get to know the world. They helped make it, so they know almost as much about it as you do. So that that's always great to get a campaign right rolling because they feel okay we know all about this they feel confident they jump right in and there's also that um buy-in and that investment because they helped come up with all of it they have shared ownership i i think there's a balance that you can reach you do some world building on your own you know you it's Stu is really great at this. He made a map and he had towns and stuff, but he didn't flush out all the towns. He mm-hmm. just kind of had an idea of some of the history and stuff. And then as the players went through, he started fleshing that stuff out as you go. And I haven't played, I haven't run a long campaign in a very long time, but I remember a lot of the times we would use maybe some established, like uh, TCR used to have their, uh, like um, the World Greyhawk. Yeah, and yeah. each town had like its own history and stuff. And so, you know, you would go to Verbabonk and you would pull out something and go to the paragraph about Verbabonk and read about what it is they did. But it still allowed you stuff to do in Verbabonk because it wasn't completely sure. statted out. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like a, this is what the economy of this town's about. Right. And, and then you can play around within that too. So I, I think that there's a balance that you can reach where even if you may have mapped out your world and everything has a name, it's not that you have completed, that you've. Worked on so much that there's no room for anybody to add anything at mm-hmm. all. I think that in some ways it's nice to know what's the name of the town we're going through. Oh, uh, um, um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. What is the name of the town you're going to? Why don't you tell me? You don't yeah. want to go there. But you want to at least have the town name and maybe an idea of what it looks like, and then from there you can help have their players help flesh it out. Maybe I'm kind of mean where I'm like, oh yeah, there's a sign up ahead. Uh, what does it say? And then. <laughs> So you like you establish there's a town, you establish there's a sign, and ha, you get the hard part. <laughs> I'm also just really terrible with names, so mm-hmm. everyone's better off when if I don't name things. Or just come up with all the names, and that's as far as you get. Yeah, I've named the towns. Yeah, I have no idea what they're like. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell me that. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> See, my my big world building thing that I like to do is more about the thematic elements of an area. Right. Like what, you know, what movie in my head inspires what I think about when I think about this, this part of town mm-hmm. or that town or like is, uh, you know, if you're setting up a world, like what's going on there? Like, what do the people in this town do? Like, is it is it a mining colony on an asteroid? Is it, uh, you know, like and what's the feel to it? Is it super Star Trekky or is it? The Expanse, or is it even lower tech than The Expanse? Is it, like, For All Mankind? Which is an amazing show. I'm so excited that there's a new season right now. <laughs> um, uh, you know, like, figure out, like, th- sort of your feel of the of the places in the game. Yeah. And then let your players play around in that sandbox of, you know, you have, you have built this wonderful empty square... And you have thrown things in there that will interest them for a while. 
and see what they pick up. And then the things that they pick up and play with, those are the things you're like, oh, okay, now I need to create some kind of a branching story on that. Yeah. Like, it's not about having to know block by block in a city what's going on everywhere and who all these people are and all that, but knowing that there's a cool tavern that's two stories and has a dance venue. Okay, that's cool. You know, or knowing that uh, there's ships that go out and hunt megalodons. So there's a dock with, you know, giant megalodon hanging up to be skinned and cooked you know, because that's the main protein for this town. Like, stuff like that, that you can tell your players, that they think that's cool. Mm-hmm. And you're not necessarily being like, well, you're going to have to go out on a boat and hunt a megalodon. You know, like, <laughs> that's not what you're saying, but maybe that's the choice they want to make. So, <laughs> yeah. cool. You um, know. Immediately, they're like, okay, well, we're supposed to save the king, but megalodon hunting, guys. <laughs> Come on. Well, that's... Again, that's that brings up the whole thing about uh, having your plots generated by your players as well. Yeah. So it's more than just world building. I mean, famously with Tim seizing upon the article that Stu had written about the innkeeper in our vampire game, she mm-hmm. must be a witch. And, and Stu oh, denied part. it for about ten minutes and went, "You know what? She, yes, she is. Yes. That's yeah. and and we she <laughs> he built the entire campaign or not the entire, but she featured quite prominently in the campaign, yeah. all because of an offhanded thing that Tim had seized on." Um, and that's, I guess, what I talk about when you let your players sort of help flesh out your world. That, that specifically is about the adventure, but you can have them do it with the world too. It's like a, you know, so you, you pull up to the stables. What do they? What do they look like? You know, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know anything about horses. I'm gonna have Kimi tell me what stables look like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, let's see. There are two Shetland ponies, a Frisian, three Andalusians, and a Clydesdale. So that sounds like the start of a bad horse show, it but did. it's not. Yeah. <laughs> They walk into a bar. <laughs> walk into a bar. And the bartender looks up and says, why the long faces? Yeah. Ah. Thank you. See, Dave. Dave's fine. <laughs> you sold it with the move, right? Like, the joke itself didn't land, but then you were just in it, man. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what sells it. A, a lot of bad jokes is just the enthusiasm yeah. of which you get them. Mm, 100%. <laughs> the whole theory behind a Shaggy Dog story is it's really the telling of the story. Mm-hmm. And when you get to the punchline, it's like, you had me sitting here for 10 minutes, <laughs> hanging on every word, and it ended in a bad pun. I hate you. I hate you and your children. Yes. <laughs> Tell me another one. Yeah. All right. Dave, you have to read this one. All right. <clears throat> uh, greetings, good people of Happy Jacks, and everyone else other than, nah, that's all of you. Uh, as this letter was written after the final stream at Stu's, I have no doubt it'll get read after the move to Kimmy's. Ta-da! Uh, which I think is kind of appropriate, as it was Kimmy who asked for an update on the Alien game I was intending to run. Yes. 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 Uh, Back in August 2021, I wrote in a letter about how I wanted to run the Alien role-playing game for friends, but was worried about how to make the general mundanity of Space Trucker Sandbox campaign, Corporate Day Job the RPG, (laughs) I think I called it, more interesting. Uh, You fine folks read the letter out, and from memory... Uh, okay, stuff this from memory crap. Let me go back to the episode. <laughs> which was one, which one was it? Ah, uh, season twenty nine, episode one. Let me just replay it. Oh, that's right. It's an Antipodes <laughs> Stork. <laughs> I think someone corrected you on it. Uh, Stu asked about the fascination with truckers. Well, maybe truckers is the wrong word. 
In this contact, it's the same fascination that I think is behind Traveler and, of course, Firefly, which I call the Millennium Falcon TV show, uh, of a scruffy crew of beat-up starship traveling from world to world, which you folks then talk about. I will say at least Alien has hypersleep to get rid of days of white line fever in Microsoft Truck Simulator. Sorry, <laughs> me. Yes. <laughs> Listen, the, the time that I got to spend, and I'm so excited because my kids are going back to school a little bit, so I might actually have time to stream again. Uh, very excited. I will be back on the highways and byways of America shortly. Yeah. Those of you who don't know, uh, Dave is one of the premier trucker streamers on twitch are yeah. you really no yeah i mean i mean i made it in the top 10 on that game of, yeah. of the of, 10 people of, of it. maybe three dozen okay at one point what's the name of the game again american truck simulator yes and it's literally just you start off being a dude that has a truck and picking up loads and taking them places and making and money it's just and, a windshield and you're sh- and you just cruising around, yeah. but the game does a great job of actually incorporating like the sights and the, the terrain of so, like, America. To, as you're accidents driving and chickens fly in front of you, and sometimes and yeah, okay. there, there'll be an accident. They'll have lanes closed, construction, whatever, and I'll just bowl into police officers <laughs> and just have a great time. Absolutely, you know, you're playing video games. All of a sudden, it becomes it's smoking a great the time to have for a you, beer. You're yeah. like eastbound and down oh, the yeah. entire time. Yeah, at okay. some point, well, <laughs> the way the game is coming out, they're releasing like state by state DLC. So when they get Arkansas <laughs> and Georgia in the game, you can bet your bottom dollar that that's happening and it's going to be a whole thing. There's beer in Texarkana yeah. and oh man, specifically Coors beer because it was illegal yeah. to take across uh state lines at that time. Oh. For immortal purposes. <laughs> Davey doesn't even has his little like Steering have a steering wheel, wheel. Yeah, and, like, the whole thing. The whole thing. It's amazing. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, well, basically, I treat it like I drive around and I talk about random stories of my life that yeah. I've visited these places. And I chat with folks about, like, what you might find in Coos Bay or what you might run into in, you know, wherever. Basically, we're all the way over to, like, Texas, New Mexico, up kind of straight and then we're kind of marching east with the, the DLC as it comes out. That's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I had no idea. Uh, there's a whole like surprisingly a huge chunk of the audience for the game are uh, Germans. <laughs> they are super into sim games. Yeah. Like that's that's their jam. And this company started with like a Euro truck simulator so you were driving around Europe. Someday, awesome. someday you're going to get pwned by a bunch of actual professional truckers who are going to get their oh, yeah. time and do it all. Well, for sure. Like, Stu once crash. Stu, <laughs> Stu once played a game, and I probably have told this story before, but it's one of my favorites. It's uh, He once played one of the early flight simulators, and it had the stick and the pedals and everything, and he was flying these things, and he would... He, this is way back when you still had dial-up, so he flies all plane up and everything, and he would just get pwned. And all these people would like, you know, come out of nowhere and knock him out of the sky, and he started listening to their radio chatter and stuff, and he realized that these guys are all like X. Top Gun guys, and they would all get together online and then like dogfight each other, and he would just get in the way. He was like, pup, 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 and they would just pwn it. And it's like he got completely owned by these professional pilots, and they were pulling top secret maneuvers out of their head, you know. And he's like, ah! <laughs> I just envision essentially like Snoopy in the Red Baron, kind of <laughs> like his Stu, like taking off in his little biplane, <laughs> and then an F 14 Tomcat. That's exactly what it was like. It's, 
Yeah. I can just see you tooling along in your truck talking right yeah. and you're like you're like Jack Burton and I'm telling a dark stormy night here we are and, it's like, yeah. and these guys right yeah. by you okay alright <laughs> that's what I'm excited to do sometime because they've actually opened up like you can play co-op with somebody now <gasps> so you can have somebody driving at the same time as you and you can convoy and I'm so uh, making the Porkchop Express and yeah. Just yeah. drive around and be Jack Burton yeah, alright alright <clears throat> here I am uh, blah 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 uh, firstly, thank you for all your advice, and thanks for an update. I'm about to run session four tomorrow, uh, at the end of March, so you're probably well past that now. Uh, after some scheduling and personal conflicts outside the group, not amongst, thankfully. Yay! Uh, turns out I shouldn't have worried about making things interesting. While some of my players are a little new to RPGs and not on solid footing about developing character backstories, they still created a right pack of reprobates, consisting of... A colonial marine who's secretly an android, and combat androids are strictly illegal. Although the player has uh, struggled with a personal agenda, he's recently realized that his character wants to be more human. Very ah. cool character. All right, all right. That's a good one. A disgraced formal colonial marshal who accidentally shot and killed someone on the job. Apparently it was a dirty Harry style intimidation with what was meant to be a blank in the chamber, but he still wants back on the force. It is all the confusion all right. I think they have forgot myself. Is it, <laughs> did I fire five or six? Oops, I guess it was only five. Uh, the worst Clint Eastwood invitation ever, thank you. Oh, and, okay. And the <laughs> <laughs> And the, the nice. bad guy in that scene is the guy that goes on to be Garrick on Deep Space Nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, A medic who travels under a false name and potentially false accreditations. A star pilot who wants to bring the whole corrupt system down. Trouble. Uh, A scientist who's testing chemical compounds of his own creation that definitely haven't been FDA approved. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite the motley crew there. Yeah. Intracharacter conflict is still to happen while alien PCs each have a buddy and rival amongst themselves and rewards engaging each with XP. They're still yet to take serious action regarding each other. Sometimes it can be hard to foster PVP is a loaded term, but Mm -hmm. interplayer conflict because a lot of times people that get together to play RPGs just want to get along. Like it's natural to just join with the group and do a thing. What? Yeah. I've been fighting with people all day. I don't want to come and do it on my day off. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes no. Sometimes people definitely want to get into it. Want to play the drama. Well, yeah, but sometimes even the drama is more about like us versus them drama versus us fighting each other drama. Yes. um, Blah, 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 blah. Stork's suggestion of a strike did happen. Good job. Nice. Uh, the job generator tables in Alien are pretty good for this. Yes, they are. Uh, and I turned a rolled result about a delay in cargo loading into a whole lockdown and curfew caused by a riot driven by a shortage of food on the main colony planet. Now that is a great plot. Nice. Right mm-hmm. there. That's, that'd be the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. The group even encountered this and narrowly managed to talk a fight between union reps and colonial marshals down. See? Awesome. Very cool. Uh, I decided to do a little world building with my group, to which end we used... Please switch to advertiser voice here. Decima, the R&D for your RPG. This incredible world-building toolkit not only works to bond your group's characters together (laughs) and create non-player characters and locations that they will care about just as much as you, the GM, because they came up with them too. But it is also a fantastic standalone story game created and published by Golden Lasso Games, a woman-created and owned company. Rapid fire disclaimer voice. 
Existing tarot deck may be required depending on your purchase. Golden Lasso Games accepts no liability for any instances of RPG blue balls that you or your players may experience as a result of playing Dekima. Game responsibly. Can we steal that? I think that's a, that's a great indicia. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely am. I, I did not pay them to write this in there. That's why I couldn't write, read this email. That I almost yep. cut that part out, but then I don't know. No, no, it's yeah, and and trust me, I know. I <laughs> poor Dave. Sore. I can hardly sit down when I sit down to play RPGs anymore. <laughs> with the number of times I've played Decima and not gotten to play the amazing story we come up. So much gaming blue balls. I'm sorry. Yeah. Someday, someday, some game is going to use it, and then we're going to get to play with the cool stuff we come up with. <laughs> It'll be awesome. Yeah, uh, let's get it uh, woman-owned then, right? Yeah. <laughs> Women create it. Get, never At this mind. point, as a, a, a blue balls reference, yeah. Yeah. So I got it. Okay. At this point, I don't care. <laughs> it's been long enough. Yeah. I'm ready. Whatever's <laughs> going on. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> I do have a further question in amongst all this. One thing I'm trying to work out is money. For a game that doesn't sweat the details, Alien is pretty specific when it comes to cash. We get costs of ammo, of living, of individual shipboard meals, which, if your commercial transport or towing vessel is company-owned, the company charges you for, yet very little on how and why the characters can and should set aside cash for things not related to direct living expenses or maintenance for the ship. The movies have a couple of interesting examples. One of the earliest conversations in Alien revolves around the engineers, Parker and Brett, getting less money than the other five members of the crew of the ill-fated Nostromo. Yeah, let's talk about the bonus situation. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Uh, in Aliens, Hudson, Hudson gripes about buying it on LV-426 just when he was getting short, with only four weeks before he exited the Colonial Marine Corps. Uh, yet, we never find out why these characters are so keen for more money or to change their circumstances. It's only in the special edition of Aliens that we get a decent motivation for a character to be earning money beyond basic living expenses and cash for cash sake. Uh, when it's revealed that Ripley herself had a daughter, Amanda, back home, it's a safe, safe assumption that Ripley's paycheck, before her 57 years in hypersleep, would have been going towards raising young Amy. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I suspect that this issue, with pretty much any RPG... Very few of them give Private Hudson's four more weeks and out any oomph, an absence particularly disappointing in an alien RPG. But I suppose it's a tough balance. How do you get players to save money for things that essentially take their characters out of the action uh, once achieved? Forgotten Realms characters might want to send cash back to their family or set a certain amount aside towards a house in the Neverwinter Burbs. But why would players want to take cash away from that next plus five magic item purchase? Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alien, I will say, has some potential here. As a year zero system, it features a push mechanic, which allows players to either re-roll failed rolls or attempt to get more successes on successful rolls at the cost of increasing the character's stress level. Uh, I won't go into the stress mechanic here, but it's an amazing mechanic, and I love it. Uh, each player has a signature item they can use to remove one point of stress per session. I'm thinking that putting cash towards a long-term goal could give them a further stress point decrease. Yeah, that's I, a good character. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Because just like in the real world, right? <laughs> Saving. Almost none of us choose to go to work because we love our work. If they didn't pay us, most people wouldn't show up for work. Damn skippy. Right? Damn skippy. So, I mean, that's that's the motivation is I, I like to eat. And I'd like to have a family, maybe, or, you know, that kind of thing. So giving them a motivation to be like, oh, yeah, well, if you 
bank some money or you buy something entirely recreational, decreasing your stress with that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you bought the new cool uh, truck simulator game. So you can play that on your off time while you're waiting to go into hypersleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, of course you'd lose some stress. Well, gain some because you run into everybody and you freak yourself out. Uh, <laughs> but how do you folks and the broader Happy Jacks community handle the conflict between in-game cash as a means of powering their character up and in-character reasons for wanting cash in the first place? What mechanical incentives have you given them for flushing money down the character motivation back home? Rob. I don't know... I don't know if I've ever specifically gotten into a mechanical money thing. You, you, I could, the only example I can think of is actually your character from Traveler, where you had to keep really tight books on because you had to pay for the ship. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paying that mortgage and, off in Traveler. And you, absolutely. and it was it was a big motivation because you and Stu at the end of each run would sit around and do the books and figure yeah. out how much you had and how much you still owed on it. And in many ways, perhaps that's the mechanic you use with this, which is they are, and maybe the Firefly, the same kind of motivation they use, which is they're, they own the ship, but they all have shares in the ship. So it's up to them to want to upgrade the ship, to maintain the ship, and to get get their haul on yeah, there yeah. or earlier on time so they get a bonus. And it's as a crew, they would feel obligated to try to get the thing as fast, get their, get the thing get it back as quickly as possible. And then, of course, when an alien shows up, it really puts a kibosh into their bonus yeah. that they were going to have. Well, as soon as an alien actually shows up in the alien RPG, it's game over. Yeah. It's, right? it's, it's like yeah. Cthulhu. When yeah, yeah. Cthulhu. Like, well, unless you're playing a game specifically more like Colonial Marines. Right. Right. But if you're space truckers, yeah, it's yeah. a rough day. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think specifically in the world of Alien, it could be you could be a thing where like they're working to save up money to buy out their contract, mm -hmm. right? Like if they can buy out the ship lease from you know whatever corporation is sending them around places, then maybe they have a chance to make big bucks as independent operators, right? Yeah. So you could dangle that in front of them, and then you know uh, have them. Take a session where they end up delivering a bunch of sunscreen to, like, the vacation world, <laughs> right? And then they get to spend a week there and see how amazing it is. Beach episode. Yeah, and players will love it. And then you can give them a motivation to be like, well, you know, we could actually afford to go there as guests. Um, that kind of thing, you know. Uh, give them something like that. That's, that's kind of a motivation for the future. Like, oh, yeah, well, if we save enough money, we can... We can do X, Y, or Z, or, you know, in the case of, like, the characters from the movies in particular, you know, it makes sense, right? Like, if if the ship in Alien works on a share system, mm -hmm. and the ship officers up on the bridge are getting more shares than the engineering crew, well, that's why they're a little upset, right? You know, like, okay, well, uh, why the hell do we want to go off course and take longer to get somewhere mm -hmm. if we're not going to get any benefit from it right like right. that's not cool mm -hmm. um or you know you could throw in something like that throw in an opportunity that's like hey guys you know if you take this risky path maybe it's an area that's got some kind of conflict going on because i understand if you're running a space trucker game you don't want to actually turn it into alien right mm -hmm. like Turn it into a thing where there's like a warring faction or like a, you know, a separatist movement from Star Wars that wants to like detach 
their solar system from the corporate universe uh, or, or something. And so then they, uh, they're flying through there with a load of cargo and people are start shooting at their ship, mm-hmm. you know, um, or trying to board the ship and steal their cargo, that kind of something. And then they can use that as a motivation to be like, oh, well, you know, we can, if we actually upgrade or get better stuff, we could make these lucrative runs. But then somebody on the crew could be like, why would I want to take that risky path if I'm only going to get 15 right. bucks an hour anyway? Yeah. Right. For me, I love uh, like customizing things. I'm one of those people who, if I play an MMO, will spend a ridiculous amount of time getting gold so that I could make my house look pretty and things like that. Or yeah. And uh, the Star Wars MMO that we were playing during pandemic. It's like, oh, I can have an apartment and I can buy the statue to go here and I'll decorate it. So I feel like giving them opportunities for that too. Um, mm-hmm. Like upgrades that are functional, like you were saying, but also upgrades that look cool or make it special or make it unique. I can't remember, but I feel like we did that on when in that Traveler game. Didn't we do a c- couple weird things to the ship? Well, like Stork had his waiting pool. Yeah, well, <laughs> well that yeah. was a different game. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was no, just that a was, character choice. That was, no, that, that was, was a different was game. Was it the same game? Was no, it? That was oh, it was, oh, okay. No, that was the one that Stu ran where I was playing the Oh, yeah, the yeah, engineer. yeah. And Pooja, like... Failed her pilot role and and like the, broke the breached the hall and froze my feet into the waiting pool. Right. Okay. So that was ex, that was Traveler Exodus, not Ashes of Exodus, right. which is the first one. <laughs> that might be. Yeah. I had my goat. I'm, that's yeah. right. That right. was that one. Um, yes. For a while, where you were the, you were the Duke. <laughs> it, Spoilers. I'm sitting. Until... I'm sitting here thinking about how decade old. How traditionally, <laughs> in in RPGs, it's all about getting getting gold. That each of the players get gold, you divvy it up and you go buy a thing, mm-hmm. all right? Or you save money to buy an inn or whatever it is, but you don't collectively do anything with the party. It's usually, I want that, I want that, I want that, and everybody grabs it and hoards it. And it's like, I want those, you can't use those gauntlets, so I'm going to take those. And then, you know, you would divvy. Yeah. I remember we would all divvy up treasure as a kid. Yeah. And it's still kind of that way. Most of the time now, people I just sort of hand wave loot, it seems like, unless there's a magic item. People don't want coins or money, or whatever. And it's almost become something where, what do you mean we have to deal with money? You, what? I think what, that's just what our group. What are going to do with it? Maybe. I, maybe. Yeah, there are, there are people who are very particular yeah, about yeah. gold pieces and silver pieces and copper pieces and the differences and all that stuff. Our collective friends group tends to not give a shit. But uh, Well, I'm, yes. Like, yes. Do I, I have enough for X? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, but I also think that a lot of times people get that itch scratched in um, playing video games mm-hmm. where... You really do need to buy. You need X amount of gold to buy yeah. the next upgrade for your sword or whatever it is. Um, sure. But but I find in something like this where the, the players actually have to pool their money and have a fund might be counterintuitive and hard for a lot of people to sort of figure, well, why is this fun? Now I'm playing accountants and, and uh, abacuses and not... Uh, I, I will say that, like, in-game customization of something is a big motivator for a lot of people. Yes. Like, uh, I was just talking with a couple with Clara from the Vason game mm-hmm. that I'm running about like how how the game gives you a mechanic for building up your home base. Right. Like it's your home, and you get to keep discovering new boarded up rooms and that have functions that help you in the game. So like that customization and building up of of the the home base is is 
really kind of a big thing. Like they're they're really into it, and I keep forgetting to to, to <laughs> like, do it. I should have done it last session. We'll do it next week. So yeah. So you could do something like that. Yeah. You know, especially if they get to the point where they own their ship, then they can think about getting new engines that give them, you know, faster runs or putting, you know, weapons on it or. Well, and that's another year zero engine game. So you could probably just kind of pick that up and stick it on there, make it space and still have the mechanic yeah, I mean, work. Yeah, you'd have to do well. a lot of because like you're not going to have like the self-flagellation room. Speak for yourself. No kink shaming. We don't kink shame. I here. mean, it's not really a space themed kind of activity that makes the ship better. Like, maybe it could make your personal performance better. But okay, I'm I'm a little behind in your facing game. I can't say it right. But how would a self flagellation room help? I uh, never mind. I'll, I'll catch it, up. It, it helps the characters remove mental conditions oh. because they've seen some shit and they are going there to work it out. Oh, yeah. I mean, Alien's also terrifying. I could see, like, you yeah. never know. Well, that was going to be my other recommendation, but you kind of touched on it already, which is look at some of the other MMO or some, yeah, some of the MMO, some of the other tabletop <laughs> RPGs that have a similar theme, like Traveler or, isn't there a uh, Firefly RPG? There is. Yes. And see how they solve the problems of upgrading ships and what people do with their money. And I bet you're going to find that, they all have a they all have a solution to the problem that you're asking right here, and you. I'm not saying you completely co-opt that for the game and make a homebrew, but I'm saying it might give you ideas on what you can do. Mm-hmm. I oftentimes read game books in completely different systems just to inform choices in the system that I'm playing. Yeah, or, or even go with something like mistaken identity. They get to a planet and there's some kind of a criminal boss that the old captain of their ship owes a lot of money. And they're the new crew, and they don't know anything about that, but <laughs> he's going to collect. So they got to come up with the money to pay him off, or he's going to send somebody to break their knees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, you could also think of it, too, like they're, they're maybe they're all union. Like, certainly in the Nostromo, they were working for the corporation, but each one had their own pay scale, right? Mm-hmm. So just like yeah. in Hollywood, the grips get paid a certain pay scale, the painters get paid another, the actors get paid something, and everybody has a different um, financial chart that they follow but then they, they would still get bonuses for bringing this stuff in early yeah, getting yeah. you know hazardous material um all all of that stuff that would happen but again all that money would get deposited directly at every month into their accounts without them having to like you know get a check mailed to them because they're in space it's not going to really happen yeah. in hypersleep so in a lot of ways you can be just so doing that, that stuff of mail right 40 years later 40 years later when you wake up what i love how we went from gold is too complicated to, to have a pay scale for right. every different job well, on the ship. I was only using it as an example <laughs> of how, how like, uh, no, if yeah. you're working for a corporation, each person would have a different rate going in. It, and it, because that is, that is something that's important. But I'm, I'm rather yeah. than just giving them the money and having them hold it and then, then they go off and buy a sword or buy a, buy a new laser weapon for themselves. Right. It's in their bank account and they can, it's now just a number that maybe they can choose to pool their resources for the better good of the crew. Yeah, yeah. It's a, Again, it's again, it's not something I've ever really been used to because most of the time when you kill the dragon, you divvy up the horde amongst yourselves and everybody goes on their merry way. It's yeah. not something I've had to think about where, oh, yeah, I just keep getting money because I'm working for this corporation. So I have a paycheck every month. Huh? Mm-hmm. Well, why is, what's my motivation for doing anything then? Yeah. Well, it, someone was asking on TikTok the other day, like, 
hey, how long was it when you started playing tabletop games that you actually fought a dragon? And I was like, I don't I've ever think I've ever fought a dragon. <laughs> like successfully? Or... <laughs> I don't think at all. Oh, all right. I mean, I've been murdered by a dragon before in game. Yeah. Yeah. We used to fight dragons all the time, but no. we were young and stupid. Samantha was like a party member as a dragon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that was different. I fought with her, not against her. Sure. So, yep. All right. Cool. Are we good with that? All right. We, uh, the last GURPS game, there was a dragon involved. I wasn't in that game. No, I know. Oh. I'm just, but that's the last time I can think of like when we were like around a dragon. I was just trying to like racking my brain. Like, yeah, have we fought? I know I've seen a dragon recently. Yeah, exactly. One of those. Okay. All right. Mailbag number three. Uh-huh. Hail Queen Kimmy and the crew. If you want to find out why a Q, K, and C are all alliterative and what they have to do with the co- colonization of England by successive foreign powers. Then the History of English Podcast, uh, historyofenglishpodcast.com, is a bloody good listen. In fact, several of the episodes provide me with inspiration in my dragons war- in my Dragon Warriors campaign. Oh, speaking of dragons. Uh-huh. To tie back to a recent Happy Jacks episode with Stork, Dragon Warriors is another excellent re-release of an old system by Mon- Mongoose Games. Yeah, I... Cool. I would really love to talk to the Mongoose people about their business model. I find them fascinating, and I've never been disappointed by the quality of their games. Mm-hmm. I think that they run an amazing ship, and I just want to like know how they <laughs> do what they do and why they do. I just want to know. Yeah. They're really cool. I they seem like really friend. cool people. I do. And I well, yeah. that I just want to know. Like, mm-hmm. It's such an innovative thing for me is that they pick up these old games, dust them off, and, and make them viable. It's amazing. <laughs> They're very cool. They seem like cool people. Yeah. Super cool. The recent chat about role-playing with kids had me hearkening back to a previous episode. I remember a discussion about role-playing in education and role-playing as a developmental tool, and there arose an idea to revisit the subject with some other podcasters and experts. It'd be really cool if that came about, like the Women in Gaming episode did. A while ago, thanks to Kadev's passion for Tales from the Loop, I dove headfirst into Year Zero Engine games and found what could be the gem of a lot. How do you say this one again? Coriolis. Coriolis, the third horizon. Kadave, if you want to run a game where death is on the table and evil is coming to take a piece of your characters, then take a look at this. I'm sure you have already, right? I have. I've looked at the game. I have not run it. Okay. Or played it yet. It's on my list of things I would like to do. This is my surprise face. Spoilers, (laughs) no surprise face. I don't look surprised. Well, no, I mean, I've, I've checked out the game, but like... I'm I'm a person that I learn a game system by playing it. Yeah, same. For sure. Uh, far better than if I sit down with the book and just try and absorb it. So it's on my list of games that I'd love to find one running and jump in and play an episode or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't gotten there. Yeah. Uh, get caught in portal space and go mad like the Reavers from Firefly. There are horrors... Uh, the equal of aliens and the dark between the stars uh, is aware, like in the fifth element. It also it is also based on the cultures of the Middle East, North Africa, and stands Pakistan, Afghanistan, etc. So, uh, so you can get a Dune fix too. I'm setting up a Coriol- Coriolis. Yeah, okay. Coriolis. My pl- Coriolis. There we go. My players have asked for Mission Impossible meets Lawrence of Arabia and space. Oh, that sounds epic. That's I have a great t- nice idea. <laughs> yeah. totally love that. I have two adventure threads and would like to throw them 
throw at them that, that are in many ways very similar. Both require escape from forces of the darkness between the stars. However, in one scenario, they will have access to all their equipment, and in the other, they will only have what goes in the stasis foot locker. So one is aliens, and one <laughs> yeah. is alien. Yeah. <laughs> Which scenario should come first? Which way makes for a better story arc? Story arc? And yes, I listened to the length, at length about how bad Storks thinks it is to take players' toys away, but perhaps I talk too much about it. <laughs> but in a horror or escape scenario, removing standard options, I shoot it. I shoot it lots. Adds to both the tension and promotes looking for and using elements of the environment as solutions. Anywho, the new studio is great. Stork is still a curmudgingly tre- treasure, and I loving Bill's intros for the APs as well as the APs themselves. Haroo from New Zealand. Probably. I guess now that Stu is taking a break, I'm the curmudgeon. Are you? Yeah. I feel like we have a plenty of curmudgeons to go around <laughs> we're a, a fine even schmear of curmudgeonly curmudgeon nature <laughs> with the cudgeling curmudgeon. Uh, so i like the idea of letting them have an adventure with all their stuff first yeah uh so that they can get used to the because if if they're just starting out and you're like here you get three things they're not going to know what they're missing uh, so let them let the I I would let them have a full on run and gun and shooting stuff with whatever guns they could find adventure and then next time around oh well you know well you got left here and all you have is your bag from the luggage I was carousel I was going to say one could lead to the other because again using alien and aliens as the analogy in aliens they had all the weaponry they could and they still got their ass kicked to the point where they were running out of bullets they're running yeah. out of, of resources and now all of a sudden they're down to a footlocker left of stuff mm-hmm. um so you could do both as you know as the first one when they show up with everything and they just attrition happens uh the, the ships get wrecked you know again you could use aliens as the blueprint and then now they're they're the, the Enemy forces are down, and you're down, but now you're left with just a handful of things, and you have to use cunning and predator traps to make it to succeed now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I think there's also, like, an argument for flipping that and doing it the other way around. I think Mm -hmm. alien and aliens is a good example, um, depending on how many of the enemies there are. Like, alien is like a horse set up, and there's one, one alien, and you're just like, Oh shit, they all got wrecked by one. <laughs> and then that kind of builds up to aliens, where despite having much more firepower, you're suddenly like, oh, they've got guns. Oh no, there's so many more aliens. And then, mm-hmm. so it kind of like sets the tone for the terror. And it's more of an action movie. Aliens, but you you have that foreboding and respect for the power of the aliens because you saw how much that one fucked everybody up in the first one. So I don't know. It feels kind of like building that way too. I, yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, it's. I still think if they're new to a game, you've yeah. got to let them have fun with all the toys. That's true. Because Alien could be very frustrating. In fact, it could be a TPK. Before they even get started, right. because you're down to, you know, you've got a Bowie knife and a flare yeah. and everyone else is dying. No, or... that, that that's one of the movies <laughs> that I can no longer watch with my my husband because I yell at people the whole time because I'm frustrated and he's just like, Please stop you talking. know, 
one of the best I've talked about alien ad nauseum for many many years. But one of the best I might have been with you. I had a conversation about the the way the reason alien works so well amongst the many other things that design and all that is that it's ostensibly at its core a, a slasher movie or even a haunted house movie. And what's always been a problem with the slasher movies is why don't you just get back into your van, your mystery machine, and leave? Or if it's a haunted house and the ghost goes, boo, you're like, that's it, we're out. And yeah. it, any reasonable person would start shouting at the television, like, get out! What's oh, wrong with I, you people? I found my best best friend dead by the lake. I'm leaving now. I'm leave- oh, my car's dead. I don't care. I'm walking. I'm walking. Like, we're just- we're out of here. Yeah. And Ridley Scott was able to fix that bike because you're stuck in space. So you can't actually go anywhere. And yeah. that's what makes it work yeah. all of a sudden. It's like, they can't just leave the lake. They're stuck in the ship. Yeah. And it's it's a small little detail, but it makes that whole thing work. And in Aliens, I think it – I don't know if it just created the action horror drama, but it's certainly the best of it. That uh, they, they given all the firepower they can – and it's still a scary movie. There's a bunch of jump scares, and there's still some horrifying things that happen, but it's scarier in a different way. Yeah, it's – the first one is a classic horror setup as far as the editing, the shots, there's, the lighting, There's everything. clanking chains. There's yeah. rain. There's even a cat that jumps out at you, which Absolutely. is like the biggest trope in every horror movie. <laughs> yeah, and then the second one is very classically edited, lit, shot like an action movie. Like – the fact that their titles are so similar, they are completely different styles. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a really great study. And I think just about every film class ever does, you know, a combo, like a, a comparison of the two. Because they as well really they are. Yeah, as well as they should. And they were meant to be that way. And you can watch, go through them and be like, oh, the camera angles are different. Just because the second one is supposed to be about all the stuff that's happening and empowering the people and then taking that power away where the first one is just about like that constant fear and that, that slowly building tension through the whole thing. The music's different. The yeah. sounds are different. There's whole Absolutely. scenes in alien where it's just like, yeah, just quiet. Yeah. That's why I can't watch the first one. Love the second one. I, if I ever get like multiverse powers, the first thing I'm going to do is travel to the universe in which James Cameron made his Alien 3. <gasps> right. Like, I, oh. Because the whole idea behind that movie is so great to me. And curse the financial gods right. for a studio not thinking that they could make their money back on it. But They so, yeah. yeah. Like, the idea of, okay, the first movie was the one alien and it was horrifying. And then the second movie was a lot of aliens. And it was still bad, but it was more action. And then the third one being the aliens have gotten to Earth and it's just all out war now. It's an yeah. apocalypse, yeah. Like, that's the movie. I want to see that movie a lot. Yeah. And uh, that's been implied in the comics. That was implied in the very first movie where they were going to yeah. bring it back for the weapons division. Yeah. It's followed, followed up on in the second one. Um, that's that subplot that gets looked over. In the very first movie, the reason that Ash is there and the reason that Ash goes into the protocol and does the Howl Howl thing is because the weapons division wanted to take the alien mm-hmm. back and the crew is yeah. expendable. And everybody forgets that. Everybody gets so caught up on the fact that the alien is running around killing them all. They don't remember why Ash malfunctioned. Mm-hmm. It's um small but crucial detail like, that it needs to get followed up on. That and the Library of Alexandria and the, all the treasures that have lost that Never we'll never to get see. to see. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I don't read ancient Greek, so that's not high on my list of the immediate things to visit. But <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, that's cool too, I guess. 
I love you, Dave. <laughs> okay, there may be a couple of more important cultural things to visit if Whatever. you can travel through space and time. But you know, that was good. Yeah, it's legit. It's a good answer. I like it. <laughs> How about an alien in the Library of Alexandria? Oh. How do we know it wasn't right? We I, don't. I thought you were going to say <laughs> like actually... an alien in like in D and D and in full of the oh, xenomorphs. But... Oh, <laughs> well, you know the 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 little motel up right near Area Fifty One is called the Little Alien. Oh, that's hysterical. <laughs> There's a bunch of alien themed things. He has the alien. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you could actually do a historic, like kind of yeah, like mean, you did with Predator. I, like, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see this new Predator movie mm-hmm. where it's like Predator versus Comanche. Yeah, like in the plains. I think like, it's awesome. Like, they're going to have uh, actually the um, the subtitles in the Native American language there. So yeah. it's the first time it's ever happened in a mo- in a feature film before. And they got all um, actors from that tribe and everything. So they're trying to do everything right. I'm excited. It's an it's going to be a really cool, very different take. Yeah, I'm I'm interested yeah. to see what they do. And, yeah, and just the idea of like, because in our heads we're like, oh no, the predator kicks ass and takes names, and this is called prey. Yeah, but, but who's the predator and who's the prey? That's, right? That's... Like, is it a predator that? Like I, I don't know. Right. I haven't seen much about it other than like the basic little mm. nip, nips. Because I'm a person that anymore I've come to realize that I hate the modern trailer aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Because by the time a movie comes out, you've already seen 25 minutes of the film. Yeah. And I don't like that. Yeah. I want to go see the film in its entirety. You know, give me, take me back to the things are going to happen in space. Come see this movie Come in December. Come see the Star Wars. Yeah. The thrills. The chills. The villainy. I'll still usually watch like the first teaser trailer for something. Yeah. Because that's usually like, okay, here's a minute and a half. A couple of interesting things pop up on the screen and I can ponder them. and You, get, you know, it's a little amuse-bouche for me to think about. <laughs> Uh, before I get to see the movie in a year and a half anymore, the trailers come out so early. Yeah, but they've gotten to the point now where they make almost fake trailers. They put yeah. in they put in completely different things or edit it together so that it looks like something else is going on because they still want to preserve it for you, but they want to show you something. Well, that so it's gotten to the point now where the trailers are now actually lying to us. They're not well, actually trailers for the movie you're going to see. A lot of time that's because they're coming out so early yeah. that they actually change the movie. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to fake you out with the trailer. Sometimes they are. Sometimes, but most of the time it's like things they actually intend to be in the movie and then things get changed by the time. They did that with the uh, multi, or No Way Home with Spider-Man. There's a bunch of scenes in there that got cut from the final film that weren't originally going to be cut, but yeah. That also famously Rogue One. Yeah. Rogue One has a whole scene in the trailer that never actually occurs in the movie. Oh, I know. I was waiting for that And I'm just like, like... what happened to that? What? I didn't see that. I thought it was looking yeah. cool, man. Yeah. Like, mm. That kind of stuff, for sure. Yeah. Where Sam does like a lot of the ads and stuff for all those movies. So by the time the movie actually comes out, he's seen like 40 minutes of footage. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. It just kills you. you yeah. Like, he's I, like, wanna... I accidentally did that to myself with the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Because oh. they had a 
Guardians of the Galaxy preview event thing at Disneyland in the old like Captain EO theater, <laughs> right? And my kids are like, yeah, let's go check it out. And because it was a hot day, and I was like, oh yeah, an inside theater, sure, let's go do that. <laughs> and we get in there, and they show us like the whole opening of the movie. Oh. Like that whole scene on the planet where he steals the thing, that whole opening sequence, just cut, here's 25 minutes of the movie, watch it. And I was like, I was into it at the time, and then I realized, damn it. Yeah. (laughs) But luckily it was the opening and not something later that... And it doesn't really spoil anything. Yeah, it does There's a guy that's taking a thing, and you don't know what it is. And he's trying to get away from other guys that want things. But it doesn't really spoil anything. I'm okay with that. I mean, it still drove me a little batty because then I went and had to watch those 25 minutes again in a couple of weeks when the movie came out. And I was like, oh, I already it's saw just, this part. It's replayability, man. They should have definitely give a heads up or something, a spoiler sign or something. You, well, had, to, you had to sit through that cutscene again. Yeah. Every time I replay. Hit space bar in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I think, is that it? Are we good? Sure. Okay. I think so. okay. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for Season 30, Episode 10 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Stork. And I am Kadeem. And once again, (laughs) if you feel up to it, we'd really, really appreciate if you'd leave a review and a review with a comment, if possible, on the platform where you listen to this podcast and maybe a few where you don't, um, because it really, really helps people... We're not going to track you down. We're not going to figure out who you are. It just helps with the algorithm so that people find us and know that we're still around. Also, compared to when this show started, there's like a hundred new platforms. Yeah. Uh, So many. (laughs) So many. Oh, okay. Before it was like, okay, review on iTunes. Well, and it's interesting because actually our listeners primarily are not on iTunes. We are like the way outlier of podcasts where most of our listeners are on like Podcast Addict and a bunch of the smaller, more indie platforms. So we have a few listeners on Spotify and a a good chunk on on Apple Podcasts, but a bunch of them on other stuff. So please, please leave, leave a review wherever you listen. What was, what was Stu, didn't Stu have a song about leaving a review on iTunes? It was a whole, it was a whole thing he had. Well, there's a bunch of the ones about burping, but that happens a lot less now. I don't know if he ever wrote. He, I think he talked about writing the song. I don't know if he ever Did wrote review, it. it. I don't know. I don't know. Well, he was noodling. <laughs> All right. Um, and today we are going to leave you with a song called "500 Miles." It's a mashup, so hang in there. There's like a very emotional kind of slow start and then it like kicks in like a little bit into the song and it's by this amazing group called the merry wives of windsor and wow wow all right we will see you all again next week thank you so much bye bye if you miss the train i'm on you will Three.
next to you And when I go out Yeah, no, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the one who goes along with you And when I get drunk Yeah, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the one who gets drunk next to you And when I hate her Penny on to you. Not a penny when I come home. 